Good morning, Grace Church. It is so good to see everyone in the house of the Lord today. Welcome. Glad you're here on campus today. Those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, welcome. So glad you have made this service part of your day, and we know it'll be a blessing. Look at somebody sitting nearby and give them a big smile. Tell them, say, happy fall. <laughs> Amen. Hey, it's a, it's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Thankful for the good weather. Looking forward to what the Lord will do today. Have you come with expectation? Have you come with a heart ready to praise, ready to lift up the Lord? Amen. Amen. Let me, let me just remind you of a couple things before we go into our worship set. Uh, don't forget Tuesday morning prayer this Tuesday, 10 a.m., right here in the sanctuary. If you can make that a part of your schedule, please come and help us pray. You'll be blessed, and the church will be, be blessed as well. And then this coming Saturday, there is an election going on. How many knew that? How many knew that we have to go vote or we get to go vote this coming Saturday? Please mark your calendars. Please remember to go vote. Vote prayerfully. Vote your conscience. Um, and, and, and let's be good citizens and good Christians by, uh, by voting uh, in the election. Um, there is one specific part of the election I do want to announce or, or talk to you about for just a moment. Uh, Brother Darrell Weber, our district superintendent, emailed a, a letter, a newsletter out to all of our pastors. And um, if you're not aware, there is an amendment on the ballot this go-round. It's Amendment 2. And uh, it'll be on your ballot this Saturday. And Brother Weber says it would be wise for all of us to vote for Amendment 2. Because if passed, it would raise the level of protection for churches and other places of worship. What it essentially says is that the government cannot shut churches down or, or cannot keep us from gathering to worship uh, for any reason. And so it's, it, it strengthens uh, in, our, in our Constitution wording that protects houses of worship and allows us to gather, uh, unlike during the pandemic when we had to close our doors. So Brother Weber is saying, let our churches know, let our people know, it would be wise to vote for this amendment. Um, so keep that in mind when you're in the ballot box. Think about that and pray about that. Last announcement, next Sunday, Brother Robert Martin will be with us uh, ministering in the 11 o'clock service. We're thrilled that he is going to be here. You will be blessed by his ministry, I assure you. Stand with me this morning. The praise team is getting ready to lead us into worship. How many of you are going to worship? Amen. If you're ready to worship Jesus, clap your hands and lift your voice. And let's welcome the presence of God in this place.
Join the song they're already singing. Holy, holy, holy are you. Just about down before your throne. See your face, I'll cry out because you're holy, holy, holy.
house, let's exalt him. Everybody, let's lift him up because he's worthy. Hallelujah. 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 Aren't you thankful for Jesus in the house right now? Everybody praise him. Everybody praise him. Revelation in one place that we'll stand before the throne of God and we will praise him saying hallelujah the Lord God omnipotent reigneth I don't think we have to wait till then to say that I believe we serve an all powerful God right now and his presence is in the house let's lift him up again everybody let's praise him one more time he's worthy team for again taking us to the throne of God through the medium of praise and worship we're so thankful for all of you that are here today thank you for coming and I am basking today in the presence of God it's there's two things that's inspiring to me about a service like what we are experiencing right now and that is that the presence of the Lord is here and that there's a room full of people that's responding to it we're not standing around gawking. We're not standing around distracted. But our heart is focused. We have a laser focus today on the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're not here just for each other today. But we sing and worship to an audience of one. And his name is Jesus. Thank the Lord. And I'm telling you today, according to the word of God, he's worthy of all of our praise. He is worthy of everything you can give Him today by way of worship and praise. And the more you worship, the more you praise, the more of the presence and power of God you will find in this building today. I want to worship Him. I want to praise Him. Thank the Lord because He truly is worthy. Thank the Lord. I realize the, the worship team is making their way around and they'll be back with us in just a moment but so we can go on with the service I would like to say and uh, Brother Tim has exited with our praise team but Brother Tim LeBlanc has been here literally all day yesterday uh, I think they met at about 10, 10.30 yesterday morning uh, I think some people were still hanging around uh, he was talking to them ministering to them till around 5 o'clock yesterday afternoon uh, our praise team showed up Casey mentioned, I believe there was 100% participation yesterday, and I'm so thankful for that. I appreciate it so very much. Him uh, was not necessarily learning new songs yesterday, but working with our praise team and uh, some of them on an individual basis and whatnot. And I believe we'll begin to see the fruit of that in the next coming days and weeks. I love Tim LeBlanc. He's a tense POA, but he drove in yesterday from Pensacola, Florida was in an event there on Friday night, drove in yesterday morning, got up early to be here yesterday at 10, 10.30 whatever the time was 
Uh, I love this man. I have all the respect for him. His priority is number one, and that is the kingdom of God. Number two, it's his church. And uh, he's kind of hard to get. And um, I understand that. I respect that. But I'm sure thankful when he comes. It's been a while since Brother Tim has been with us. And uh, I love his attitude. I love his spirit. And uh, he's, he's all about promoting the kingdom of God, promoting worship. And uh, God has anointed this man, has blessed him. And we're thankful to have had him yesterday and here with us this morning. Uh, I appreciate that. Brother Tim, thank you for coming. And uh, let's give him some appreciation. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Again, such a gifted man, such a talented man, but a man with excellent spirit. Him and his family are amazing people, and we love them dearly. I consider him a friend of Grace Church. I want to call your attention today to the Word of God, and I've been strongly moved by Brother Jason's presentation last Sunday. And uh, maybe to some degree, I'd like to piggyback a little bit on that today. Uh, I'll paint a broader stroke, and I'll present this to everybody in the house today. Psalm 1, beginning with verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, everybody say his delight. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The Bible said that he brings forth fruit not in the same season as every other tree that's planted next to him. But he will bring forth fruit in his season. I want to speak to you for a little while this morning just simply knowing your season. Knowing your season. Everybody say thank God for the word. Thank you as always for standing and your patience, and you may be seated. The Bible said in Genesis 8, verse 22, that while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. The Bible also said, the wise man said in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, to everything. I want you to notice those are the word everything here is two separate words to everything, to each individual thing. There is a season. So we cannot look and compare ourselves with somebody else when you're going through a terrible time, a tough time, a challenging time to look across the aisle at somebody else who's living it up and everything in their life is going great. You can't judge and say, God, why am I here and they're there? The Bible said to every individual thing, there is a season. Genesis 8 said there's the normal weather seasons. Of, of course, spring, summer, fall, and winter. But in spiritual terms, in the cycle of life, every individual has 
a season. And the rest of that verse says, and to not only is everything a season, but there's a time to every purpose, every purpose under heaven. The seasons are certain because they're God's idea. The concept and reality of seasons is God's idea. They are His ideas and not the devil's. I'd like for everybody to understand that. We like to blame the hard times on the devil, and I have no compassion nor sympathy for the devil, but I do agree sometimes he's blamed for things that wasn't his fault. God is in charge of this. The devil cannot change the season. Only God can do that. So I believe today, Grace Church, that God is looking for seasoned saints are saints that understand seasons. Most of us live out our lives not discerning the season that we're living in. We want to consider the time we're living in as permanent. I've learned a long time ago that virtually every season of life, including life itself, is only temporary. We don't recognize or research or pray to know the reason for the season in which we are living. We can go through very difficult times, very trying times where everything seems to be falling apart and we want to give up and quit and blame the whole thing on the devil when in reality it was a season that God wanted us to go through. In our culture, we greet new seasons with hope and faith and confidence hoping that the new upcoming season will change all the horrible circumstances and memories that's happened in the past and somehow it will all be deleted from our memory. Certain seasons can cause us to do things we wouldn't ordinarily do. For example, we spend a whole lot more money during the Christmas season than any other time of the year. Why is that? Because it's the season to do that. There's people, some may be sitting here today, they'll spend money you don't even have because it's the season to do that. There are some who have been more naughty, but because of the Christmas season, you will choose to be a little more nice. There are certain events and activities that go along with every season. Christmas is gifts and mistletoe and New Year is New Year's is fireworks and new resolutions. Easter is Easter eggs and July the 4th is barbecue and if you're Pentecostal it's camp meeting. Thank you for that applause. I was not prepared for that. I can't remember the last time I've celebrated a July 4th in the traditional American way. It's always in church on the campground. Amen. Thank the Lord. Thanksgiving is turkey and a whole lot of overeating. And when you're done eating, you immediately start eating the leftovers. And they get eaten on until the Thanksgiving season is over. You get the point. There's a difference in the air when the season is changing. Somebody just told me this past week that fall is in the air. 
I'm not negative. I'm just real. I've lived in Louisiana a long time. It may feel like fall, but it's hypocrite fall. <laughs> We're going to get some more 90-degree weather before it gets here, and it's liable to be 88 degrees on Christmas Day. So I get the point, but you can feel in the air that the season is changing. The famous comedian Larry the Cable Guy said one time, I can tell it's springtime because the pumpkins on my front front porch are rotten. I do know that there are people who love to put up Christmas lights around their house on the outside, but they don't take them down. And I believe they're the ones that started the party lights on your patio. I believe the people that never took Christmas lights down just started that theme. We'll just make something out of this and just leave them up year-round and just call them party lights. That may work in terms of the natural things, but what about spiritual seasons? We all want to live in a spiritual California where it never rains, the sun always shines, the temperature is pretty much the same all year long, but it doesn't work that way spiritually. Everybody say amen. The Bible said in Ecclesiastes 3, 1, to everything, to each individual thing in God's economy, there is a season. I heard a preacher say one time that you have three groups of people in every church service. You have people going into a trial. You have people in a trial. And number three, you have people coming out of a trial. To everything There's a season. Seasons, every season comes from God. The devil can't make them longer or harder or darker. God says essentially that seasons are my idea. They're under my control. Don't point a finger of blame or give credit to anyone else for the season you may be living in. We like to say that the steps of a good man or ordered of the Lord, but seasons are of the devil. And if you think about that, that makes no sense. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, and so are seasons. Promise and purpose are the overall intent of God. And you fail if, if you fail to understand seasons, it will frustrate you concerning the promise and purpose and calling of God in your life. Seasons are God's servants. And he uses them for his purpose. The ultimate purpose for the four natural seasons is to cycle plants and trees through a variety of weather conditions to bring about a harvest. That's the point. The cold, long, dark, and sometimes harsh winters bring forth beautiful blooms in the spring and long, hot, and sometimes drought-laden summers turn those blooms to fruit in the fall so the fruit can still be harvested. Seasons are sent and controlled by God, so how long they are, how cold or hot they are, uh, all of that is controlled by God. But be rest assured, they always come to an end, and they always change. Listen to Pastor. Whatever season you are in, whatever season comes to your life, it does not have the power, might, or authority to circumvent God's promise in your life. 
of us have been through our times of season. We've all experienced the ups and the downs and the highs and the lows and on fire for God and not feeling so much on fire for God. But I have never known a season like that to last forever if that person will stay in touch with God. And God always brings you to a higher place than you were before if you stay sensitive to His plan and purpose. I want to tell somebody, it ain't over with yet for you. God's not done yet. It's not over. There's still hope. There's still promise. And there's still the surety of the Word of God. Hang on to God. Get a tight grip and promise Him. Where you go, I'll go. And where you lead, I'll lead. Everybody clap your hands to the Lord right now. We must understand. The Scripture says very clearly. That God declares the end from the beginning and calls things that are not as though they are. A season or cycle in your life cannot rob you or circumvent God's promise and purpose in your life. Listen to pastor. God is with us in our past. In our greatest present, he has already stepped all the way to eternity. And he's telling to everyone in this church, come on, keep coming. You're okay. You're going to be okay. I've got this. My hand is still in your life. I've never left you. I've never forsaken you. And I never will, regardless of the circumstance of your season. We get frustrated when God makes a promise to us through prayer. Even in his word, or even when a preacher makes a promise. And it doesn't come to pass when we think it should. Whether it was last week or 20 years ago. God's, God brings it to pass when the season is right to him to bring it to pass. So he can harvest out of us what he has sown into us. It's his harvest, not ours. I'm hesitant to say this today, but I, I feel like I must. A couple of weeks ago, I had a dream. I'm not a dreamer. Those of you that know me well enough know that. Oh, I dream. But it's very rarely of God, I can tell you that. It has to do with what I ate before I went to bed most of the time, I think. I had a dream. I still don't understand it and I mull over it. But I was standing with a multitude of people. This is interesting to me, Brother Tom Laidlaw, because you were the only person I recognized in this dream. It, the crowd of people, the multitude, the mob of people covered a two-block area. I have my own thoughts about it being two blocks. It was like two city blocks of people standing, and they were compacted like that. And it was though they were waiting on something. It reminded me, and, and what I associated that with when I woke up the next day, was when Sister Murph and I were at Youth Congress. However many people were there, there were scores of people there. I know in excess of 30,000, perhaps more. 
And we both commented later, and all that were there agreed that there was a hunger in that building. You could feel it. It's like everybody there had an open heart and an open mind. A host of our young people were there. And I know they felt it. There was just a hunger. God, I'm, I'm here for something. And some perhaps knew what it was. Some perhaps did not know. But I'm just, I have an appetite for more of God. And know what, whatever it is, God, I'm open to receive it. It's the way this crowd was in this dream. And uh, the Spirit of the Lord moved on me for some reason. And I stepped outside of that crowd somehow, found just a hollow spot in the crowd. And I cupped my hands on each side of my mouth. And as loud as I could, I began to prophesy to that crowd of people. I've never done that before. This is totally foreign to me. I began to prophesy to them, and I wanted so badly in my, in my subconscious mind to be able to remember everything that I said so I could write it down the next morning. And as dreams goes, and most of the time, the prophetical gifts, the, the, the verbal gifts, uh, when you're used in that, you, you very seldom remember what you said when it was over. But I do know this that God spoke to that crowd of people and essentially said this, of all the promises I've ever made to you, I'm about to make them manifest. And I cannot get that out of my mind. Brother Tom, again, you were the only person in that crowd that I recognized. I believe God is speaking. And if I could check around, if I could get on Facebook, which I'm not, and if I could get on Instagram, which I don't, um, and, and ask people how many have felt this in the past couple of weeks. I think we'd be surprised at the scores of people that God has spoken to all around the world that have had the same, a similar experience or the same thing spoken to them. That all the promises I've made, I'm about to make them manifest. I want to tell people here today, whatever season you're interested, you're going through, don't get frustrated about the season you're in. Ask God. Ask God, pray. Spend some time this week praying and ask God to help you discern the season you're in, whatever it is, and accept it. Embrace it. Grasp the season. You'll have to grasp the season. You'll have to accept the season if, if, that you're in if you want to receive the promise that's going to come to pass and be made manifest at the end of that season. If we do not discern the season, then we try to force the fulfillment of God. And you can't bring fruit out of its season. We try. Oh, we try. This past winter, and I don't mean this to be humorous. Sister Murph and I enjoy tomatoes. And most of you that know us love the fresh vine ripened tomatoes. And some folks in our church plant them. God bless you. Keep them coming. My only disappointment is there's for such a short time, but we just love fresh tomatoes. And this past winter, we gave up January, February, even buying them anymore. They were just not good, and there's a reason for that, that the greenhouse tomato, no matter what they do, never tastes as good as one that naturally ripens on its vine in its season. Somebody say Amen. Eternity is God's creation, and time is God's creation. He is before time, He is in time, and time is in Him. And He'll be around at the end of your season, no matter what the season is that you're going through. And at the end of that season, 
There'll be a harvest. There will be something to reap. There will be something to, pro to, to prosper from. Hallelujah. So let me ask you today, how can something created circumvent the purpose of the one who created it? Let me have everyone understand, and this house is full today of people that are going through times and seasons, and you are yet to understand that. You've yet to grasp that. It's just God has forsaken me and left me, and God made a promise that he's not fulfilled. You're in a season, and God's promise will not be made manifest until that season has expired. But I want to give somebody some hope here today. Listen to Pastor. God spoke through Brother Jason last Sunday. He made a statement. I knew it. I understood it. And I've understood it for a long time. But there was a way he said it that something lit up my brain and I hadn't got over it yet. He made this statement. Something along this line, I won't repeat it verbatim. But he said that in the wilderness, when the Jews, the children of Israel were in the wilderness for that 40 years... God did miracle after miracle after miracle for them. But it did not change the season of the wilderness. They got manna from heaven, water from a rock. The horrible water, the bad tasted water tasted good. All of these miracles that God performed. But it did not change the season they were in. So while you're in your season... God will do something over here and do something there and do something there. But at the end of the day, you still want to get on your face and cry that, God, you've done this and done that. Then why do I feel like I feel? And, God, why am I going through what I'm going through? It's because God provided a miracle in your season. He just hasn't ended your season yet. Good preaching. Good preaching. Amen. Amen. He said that before he created time, that there would be a church. Before he created time, there would be a Calvary, he said. So time and seasons have never been able to circumvent his promise and his purpose. So when time is no more, he will still have a church with his name on it. And that church will still be in his likeness. And time nor season will be able to change that nor stop that. Now you think about that. We believe in a rapture. And while you were singing about eternity a few minutes ago and standing with those who've heard well done, we put a slide up here depicting the church around the throne room, worshiping God, praising God, and all of that. You consider everything, every lasting thing, that every child of God is going to go through from their birth to their death or rapture. You can name any kind of sickness you want, any kind of domestic situation you want, any kind of financial situation you want. You can track the church and imagine everything churches all around the world have been through all the years that God has instituted the church. But at that moment... He's still going to have a church that's going to be in his likeness. It's going to have his name on it. And they're going to be around the throne shouting, Hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. 
season and circumstances of your life cannot circumvent the purpose of God in your life unless you allow it. Time nor season can stop the promise and purpose of God even when we do mess it up. God's got us on a plan. He's got us on a track. He's working towards his purpose being done in our lives and we do something stupid. And I've heard people say and they've said in my office and said it. I messed up, Pastor, and there's no way God can ever fulfill his purpose in my life again. You don't think? Why don't we bring Brother Abraham in and talk to him about it? And ask him what him and his wife schemed to bring the promise of God to pass in their life. And Abraham had an affair with Hagar and brought forth a son. And that went on for some 12 plus years. It didn't matter to God. Abraham, you can do whatever you want to do. You can live like an idiot all you want to live. But sooner or later, I'm going to have a promise come to pass through a woman who cannot bear children. And that child is going to carry human blood in his veins that will one day flow through my veins as the Lord Jesus Christ. And adultery is not going to stop it. Fornication is not going to stop it. Sin isn't going to stop it. None of that is going to stop it because... My plan will come to pass. I'm going to tell you what God did do for Abraham that I think is remarkable. And I believe it's a reason God chose Abraham. I've said this many times. I wrote about it in my book. Abraham was a worshiper. And I believe that's what attracted God to him. Abraham's problem was, is he worshipped the wrong gods. He worshipped a bunch of them in Ur of the Chaldees. If God, God knew, if I could get him to worship me, I could do anything in that man's life. And he's going to fail and sin and all that. We don't understand the power, the power of worship. If you can stay a worshiper of God. Faith is a byproduct of that. Revelation is a byproduct of that. And you can go on and on and on. But ultimately, God's purpose is a process of that. That's why the devil don't want you to praise and worship. Amen. God promised Israel a land that flowed with milk and honey. Wasn't just a little bit here and there. It flowed with milk and honey, the Bible said. But God did not tell them. God didn't tell them that the cows and bees in the promised land were on and controlled by somebody else. And if you want the milk and honey from those cows and bees, then you're going to have to get rid of those people. I want to tell somebody here today, you listen to pastor, you got a bunch of junk going on in your life, if you want God's milk and honey in your life, you've got to get rid of the people who's controlling the bees and cows in your life right now. Repentance will do that for you. Repentance will take care of that for you. Why didn't they take it and possess it when Moses sent out the 12 spies? They didn't understand seasons. They said, we have to fight. 
But what God wanted them to know is, it's not that you have to fight, you have to be disciplined. You have to obey. You have to live committed and consecrated. If you'll do that, I'll fight for you. Okay, I, I'm sorry I said all of that. It just kind of just kind of went right over the edge of the pulpit, didn't it? There are far too many that leave and go where they've just come from and practice getting promises and rarely ever see any fulfilled. Why? It's because they do not understand seasons. The promise God made will come to pass, but it will not come to pass until the season is right for him. When God makes a promise contained in that promise, is all the seasons that are required to bring it to pass. Let me explain this to you. And you people that plant those wonderful tomato plants, you understand it. A seed, a seed does not inquire about how, about all the seasons it will have to go through before it bears the fruit for which it was planted. Never inquires about it. When we get a promise, when we receive a promise from God, we want it fulfilled right now and we want to resist all the seasons. In Hebrews 11 verse 1, notice the screen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We've, we've quoted that and very few people really even understand it. Verse 2, for by it elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the words, the worlds were framed by the word of God. I've been on this space thing again. <coughs> I go through times in my life where I get so mesmerized by it and I try to study it. And the more I study it, all studying space does to me and everyone else that studies it, it just manifests how ignorant you are about it and how you don't understand. I have come to this conclusion. Jason, I've come to this conclusion. That mankind on this planet does not have the mathematical or scientific expertise enough to understand space. I believe there are, there are things that exist in space that we do not have the ability to calculate. That being said, I've done a lot of stuff. I've talked to Sister Murphy about it, and she stares at me with her eyes kind of glazed over, and she's thinking about Noah and Joseph and Bible quizzing and all that, but it still feels good to say it. And uh, I don't remember all the exact numbers right now, but I, I believe, as I said, that people that... that that scientists believe that our observable space is, what is it, 93 million, I think, light years from one end to the other, something like that. It's, it's the distance it's, that light travels in a year. And it travels at, what, 186,000 miles per second. It takes it seven minutes to get from the sun to here. When you look at the sun during the day, it's seven minutes old. Y'all understand that? Okay, so light would have to travel 93 million years to get from one end of observable space to the other. Our Milky Way is a donut that doesn't amount to anything compared 
to the unnumbered galaxies. It's believed that our Milky Way contains over three billion stars. Brother Weber preached here last this past March that God created all the stars and he named every one of them and he knows every one of them by name. There's three, about three, over three billion. One scientist recently said that he is convinced that there are more stars than there are on all the collective beaches of the world that contain sand, grains of sand. I could go on and on with this today. But I want to do that. I love how they call the, the evolution of the earth and all that the Big Bang. It was a Big Bang. You better believe it was a Big Bang, buddy. They call it, they, they, they're now calling it observable space because now they agree that every piece of equipment that they, they create and send it out into space to see how far space goes, it ends. Its ability to see out into space ends and they know there's more space out there and it goes for millions and millions of light years, millions of light years. It's unending. Those worlds, those galaxies, those stars was framed by the word of God. I want to preach a message and I'm working on it. How big is God? You can't go anywhere in space to the depth of the ocean, all of that, that you don't find the footprints of God. The worlds were framed by God. The worlds were framed by God. He spoke it out of himself. And space is not beyond the extremities of God. All of space as we know it is in God. It's in him. Listen to pastor. God knew you would fail when he saved you. He knew you would fail when he called you. You're not going to surprise God by anything you do. He knew you would make mistakes and fail and get discouraged. And he knew you would sin and steal and cheat and cuss and fornicate and commit adultery. He knew all of that. He knows the end from the beginning, the Bible said. And he continues to love us and save us and inspire us and encourage us. Why? Because God knows seasons. He made them and he can bring us through all kinds of difficult and challenging circumstance and still get the harvest he's planted in us if we will just stay with him the seasons are in the promise and you'll get your promise fulfilled when God brings to an end the season that you're in Within Simon Peter's call was Simon Peter's fall. God cannot and will not be surprised by anything we do. God has never allowed anything to happen in your life until his grace was in place and that he had established his ability to save you and get you out of it no matter what you did. It's not a license to sin, but it's a liberty to understand. The Bible declares, God said to Zechariah, it's not by might and it's not by, oh my goodness, that's, that's all y'all got today, my word, I'm up here giving this all I've got and all you've got is, oh. that's it, let's rewind and start over. 
God said to Zechariah, it's not by might, nor by Thank you. But by my saith the Lord. Do we understand that? It's not what you do. It's not where you are. It's not how you feel. It's up to God and the season you're in. Just stay with him, somebody. Stay with him. Stay with him. And he will get you through this season you're in. I'm not finished, but I'll go ahead and put out the landing gear. I read to you Psalm 1 verse 2. That the man would delight in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. His law doth he meditate day and night. If you consistently read and study the Bible with an open prayerful heart and mind, you can hear from God yourself. I preached about this several weeks ago about troubled water. How God uses troubled water to attract not only those that need troubled water in their life, but it attracts Jesus. Troubled water attracted Jesus to the pool of Bethesda. Was it the sick people that attracted him? Probably. It was troubled water. And there was their misunderstanding. They put all their ducks all their eggs in that basket. But there was a God <laughs> that could supersede and excel over anything the troubling of the water could produce in them. And in John chapter 5, when Jesus asked the man at the pool of Bethesda if uh, you'd like to be made whole, you'd like to be healed, the first thing out of his mouth is he said, I don't have a man. And there's people here today, Pentecostals, probably other denominations, but I'll use Pentecostal. That's just what I know. But we reek with preacher religion that the pastor said it, and the pastor did it, and the pastor did this, and the pastor that. And I, I come against preacher religion. You don't serve God because of me. You serve God because of God. And I hope we all understand that. I love the respect and the reverence and all that, and, I, and rightfully so. But listen, I believe you can hear from God on your own. I don't believe it all has to come through the man of God all the time. And this man said, the reason I'm not healed is because I don't have a man. I don't have a preacher. I don't have a pastor. I don't have a this and a that. I've heard somebody say one time, I heard one of our pastors say a number of years ago, I can't go one week without talking to the district superintendent. Want to be judgmental here, but try talking to God. <laughs> Said, I don't have a man. Just because you don't have a man to give you a word doesn't mean that God doesn't have a word for you. Get on your knees and your face before God and find out what God has to say Himself for you. The Bible said, This man shall be like a tree planted. This is intentional. God washes away your sin and plants you. You were planted by God with a harvest in mind. And he curses fig trees that don't produce harvest. The Bible said it bring forth his fruit. You can't bear fruit out of your season. You must know and understand your season. Farmers don't get frustrated when it's winter. Only Pentecostals do that. 
must know and understand your season. So in conclusion today, the psalmist said, Thou hast set all the borders of the earth. You set all the borders of the earth. You, has, you have made summer and winter. Too many of us have aborted the promise and purpose of God in our life by quitting and compromising and being hard-headed and unforgiving when we've been hurt and running off and doing our own thing. <clears throat> in Acts chapter 12, it is assumed and concluded that after King Herod killed James and that it pleased the people that he would do the same to Peter. So instead of Peter getting all crossways with God and accusing God of not loving him and protecting him, Instead of getting bitter and quitting, Peter dug deep in his memory and remembered a promise that Jesus made in John 21. Essentially telling him that you'll die an early death, but the disciple next to you named John, he'll live till an old age. Peter remembered that. And he knew it was a season. He would die early, but not yet. God still had some things for Peter to do. So I want to ask you today, can you still trust God no matter what season you're in? Doesn't mean God's failed. Doesn't mean that God don't love you anymore. Even if you fail, and even if you've messed up, and even if you've sinned, He knew you would make bad choices and sin when He saved you. He knew that. He knew you'd go through times of discouragement and despair. He knew that. But He allows it. Because when you go through the bad times, you have such a respect and appreciation for the good times because you've grown so much. You understand broader. You understand bigger. You understand wider and deeper. You get a bigger picture of God's purpose in your life and what He wants to do and accomplish in your life. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't get bitter. It's okay to be hurt, but it's not okay to get bitter over it. Don't do that. Keep God your friend and cling to his purpose. Stand with me this morning. There was a prayer warrior, a true lady of God that I that grew up in my home church. A lot of you know her. Her name was Elmina Parker. She prayed and prayed and prayed. You could go to the church at all hours of the day and she'd be in there praying. She had the same tone, the same cadence, but she very seldom repeated the same thing over and over. She prayed for everybody that she knew. She prayed for her kids and her grandkids, and she prayed for everybody in the church, the pastor. She prayed and prayed and prayed. And there were so many prayers that she prayed that her family has said later that she desired so much that would come to pass in her lifetime so she could see. She knew they'd come to, that the answer would, would come to pass. She knew that. But she just wanted to see it herself. And she died. And I have been a living, breathing witness to some of those answers to her prayers that she prayed and I heard them her heard her pray they came to pass after she died is she disappointed now that she's dancing around the throne of God I doubt it I doubt she's disappointed because of where she's living now I doubt she's disappointed but I want to tell you the things that you work for things that you invest in God's plan and purpose in your life. It doesn't go without a harvest. And it may not even come in your lifetime. But it'll come to pass. I've known of men 
who ministered in pulpits all of their lives and died of a ripe old age and things they preached never came to pass until after they died. Isaiah said this in Isaiah 6 when he said in the year that King Uzziah died, that's when he saw the Lord. He didn't see it until after the man died. Probably something that Uzziah would have liked to have seen come to pass in Isaiah's life. Would love to have seen Isaiah get that revelation of God in his, in his throne in the temple and high and lifted up and all of that. I'm sure Isaiah would have loved to have shared, or Uzziah would have loved to have heard that testimony of Isaiah, but it didn't happen that way. The promise came to pass, but not until after Uzziah died. So I want everybody to understand here this morning. God knows exactly where you are. He knows how your heart feels. He knows what you're going through. Waylon and Shelly, God hasn't left y'all. He hasn't walked away. Now, I personally know there's some things in y'all's life that you'd like to see God correct and God help, God supply, God take care of. Just because he hasn't done it by now does not mean he's not going to. I could go up this side and across all four sections of this building and talk to people from the pulpit and call you out by name about things that you've hoped for and longed for and there's lots of disappointments there's lots of hurts and there's lots of sadness and disillusionment there's people here today that have so much hope for things to come to pass just because they haven't yet does not mean they're not going to God knows the end from the beginning so I want to open up this the front of this building to hungry people to desperate people to heartbroken people to frustrated people to people who feel like you may have lost your way and the night is dark and the way is hard, I want you to know here right now that God knows where you are. You're still in the palm of His hand. I say to my people, you have not gone beyond my reach. You have not gone too far where my mercy and my grace cannot reach. I will ask you today as you stand in my presence to open your heart and to trust in me again, to give me your faith, to turn your back on those things that cause you to sin and to lay down the weights that beset you. I invite you to come to my presence, to come back to me, to have your faith restored, to have vision renewed, and to have my purpose resurrected in your life. I'm still God. I'm still your God. I am with you, and I promise you again that I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you, says the Lord. Let's worship the Lord, folks. Let's, everybody in the building, I'm going to ask you to worship the Lord to the best that you know how. Let's worship Him.
If you're hungry, you want your feet replanted on Jesus. If you want to embrace the promises He's made to you again, I'm asking you to come forward today. We've heard from God. We've heard the voice of God today. We've heard the voice of God today. If you want more from Him, if you need more from Him, I'm asking you to come. As they begin to sing, I'm just going to ask you to worship today Lord, with an open heart. Worship, folks, so worship. Y'all come and worship. Come on, everybody, come worship. Come worship. Lord, We've heard from the Lord today. We've heard from God today. To Hallelujah. He's here. He's here. He's here. Somebody let him minister to you right now. Come on. He's here. He's here in Jesus' name. This is running out. 